Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 93 of Selling the Couch. Thank you for taking the time to join me for today's session. It is getting fall here in Philly. Spring and fall are probably two of my most favorite seasons. I love that transition to just cooler weather and the leaves are slowly starting to change. And this weekend I actually got to spend some of it with a dear friend who's also a podcaster, Laura Reagan of the Therapy Chat podcast. Laura happened to be in town and we went to one of the local universities, Temple University, and I had never been on Temple's campus before, but imagine two streets. There were probably a good 30 at least food trucks up and down these streets with every sort of food that you can imagine from crepes to Korean to Indian to vegetarian to whatever you really wanted. And it was such a cool experience getting to hang out with Laura and a cool experience for a foodie like me. Today's podcast is titled How Comparison Can Steal Our Joy. I feel like this is a topic that many of us, including me, struggle with, always wanting to kind of perceive how we're doing, but then ultimately using how we're doing and comparing ourselves to someone else. And usually, in most cases, it leads to a lack of joy, of a tendency to burnout, animosity, anxiety, all of these icky things that can really wreak havoc on us as entrepreneurs. My guest today is Sarah Lightshoe. Sarah is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's an active member, actually one of the early members of the Selling the Couch community. And uh, Sarah wrote this blog post called All About Comparison and How He Can Steal Our Joy. And I just thought this would be such a great conversation to have. Before we get started with today's podcast session, I just wanted to take a moment to thank Kelly and Miranda for supporting this week's podcast. Kelly Higdon and Miranda Palmer are two therapists and business coaches for private practitioners. And they do these webinars um, on a fairly frequent basis, covering a range of different things from setting fees all the way to starting a newsletter to creating multiple streams of income to niching down. You can find more information about some of their upcoming trainings at zinnyme, that's Z-Y-N-N-Y-M-E dot com forward slash events. 
So Sarah and I are talking about a range of things. So more specifically, we're going to talk about why does comparison come so naturally to us as people and as clinicians? And what effects does that comparison have on us both mentally and physically? And then how do we not let comparison steal our joy, as Sarah says, and I love that phrasing, but how do we not let it steal our joy as mental health providers? And then Sarah, in this article, she talks a lot about being a mom and trying to run a private practice and getting pregnant while starting a private practice and trying to manage all that. But how does she not sort of let what she, what her life looked like in that moment, how does she learn to almost uh, embrace that as opposed to looking at other clinicians building practices who were at a similar level when she got started? This conversation is just a wonderfully empowering conversation if you especially struggle with either just feeling like you don't measure up or really struggle with comparing yourself to other clinicians and it often leaves you in a hard place. So here is my conversation with Sarah Lightshoe from Counseling. Dot com, and then her professional page is at sarahlightshoe.com. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Hi, Melvin. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation. I, you know, we were talking about this right before, but I didn't realize you had been, oh, I knew, but I, I didn't fully understand or realize you've been part of the Selling the Couch story since when we first launched way back in the day. Yeah, I think that Selling the Couch was actually one of the first kind of like Facebook communities that I joined way back when I was first kind of getting into social media as a mental health professional. Yeah, that's so cool. And and we're definitely grateful to have you there and part of it. Thank you. You wrote this blog post called How Comparison Can Steal Our Joy. And I wanted to talk more about that because I feel like we as clinicians, private practitioners, small business owners, this is something that all of us, many of us struggle with, probably all of us on some level. Why does this concept or why does comparison come so naturally to us? Well, you know, that blog post was inspired by a quote from Theodore Roosevelt that goes, comparison is the thief of joy. And someone just randomly posted that on my Facebook page probably two or three years ago. And I had never heard that before. But as soon as it was there, it really resonated with me. And, you know, obviously, Theodore Roosevelt is speaking to a wide audience, not just mental health professionals. And I really think the reason that he has that quote and why it resonated with me and so many other people is that comparison is part of our human nature. And I actually think it starts at a really young age. Even our children are looking to us as their parents or to other children to know what to do, right? And especially, I think, in the mental health field, when we're starting to do something new, you know, maybe we're just getting into the field or we're starting private practice, we look around us to kind of figure out if we're doing it right. We don't know if we're doing it right. Yeah, so part of that is for us, for many of us, starting a business is such a a new concept. And I think it it does come naturally. We're trying to get sort of a baseline of what's working, what's not working. Definitely. And I think for mental health professionals right now with 
social media and how big social media is in our lives, there are so many more opportunities for us to be looking at other professionals and evaluating ourselves against the successes for other people. And there's just even that more a bigger level of opportunity for comparison now than maybe in the past. Yeah, no, absolutely. I forgot who told me this, but it's this idea that especially when it comes to social media, we compare a lot of what people are putting out there external to how mm-hmm. we are feeling internally. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Definitely. And the reality is that sometimes those comparisons are not valid, right? Because what people are putting out there is not the total reality. And also other people's experiences are not exactly the same as our experiences. So I think sometimes we set ourselves up to compare ourselves to someone who's doing something totally different. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I hear is if you're someone that that struggles with comparison, and especially when it's kind of in this online space, one of the things to really do is take a step back and try to see it as you're seeing a sliver of someone's life, right? You're seeing a sliver of a practitioner's life and not the whole list, like the whole piece of it. You can celebrate with them. You can be happy with them. But if you compare sort of how you're doing to that one sliver, it's not sort of a, a fair comparison. Right. Yes, definitely. And I do. I do want us to, you know, celebrate and recognize other people's successes, but I don't want us to do it in a way that we're beating ourselves up because we're only seeing that moment. A lot of times the success, we're not seeing all the hard work that led up to that. And it's very likely that we're all going to have our own successes, right? And we might still be in that really hard work stage. And I don't want us to get stuck because we think it should have come faster. Yeah, right. And I think there's, this is something that I've learned is sometimes you just can't rush success, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know, like for me, like, and we're talking about this online space, right? And this has been a lot on my mind. Like, I mean, we see this like every time, a lot of times when we post or we log into social media, it's like someone has done like a six figure launch or this or that. And it's like, those are wonderful things. But like, for me, like, I've recognized if something like that were ever to happen to me at this point, I just don't think I have the infrastructure in place, mm-hmm. right, to be able to handle something like that. Right, definitely. And I think that's something that I have been like really mindful of myself and in my work with um, supervisees that I work with is just what is our unique journey and things will come to us when we're ready for them to come to us and we'll be ready to put in the energy to build an infrastructure like that when it's the right timing for us and that there's nothing wrong with being at a different spot than someone else is at. How did you learn to trust yourself and your intuition as opposed to like relying on, you know, what was kind of what you were seeing externally? I think it really was a process for me. My story is that I went through my whole licensure process when I was at a nonprofit agency and I was one of those people that was following the path exactly the way you're supposed to, right? Like get all your practicum hours, get your diploma, get your full-time job, get all those hours. You know, I did everything in the order that you were supposed to do it and in the time frame you were supposed to do it. But then I had kids and my reality started to shift. Like, 
I realized I didn't want to keep going on that trajectory. I wanted to kind of create a balance that was different for me and my family. So then I opened my practice. And that is when the comparison really came out for me is I would be on social media looking at what other people were doing and thinking, you know, why am I struggling? Why isn't my practice as successful as I would like it to be? You know, and a lot of I was saying a lot of shoulds, questioning myself. And I was stuck in that spot for a while. I wasn't happy. You know, I at times thought like, maybe I should just give up on this private practice thing. But at some point it turned for me and I came to a realization of, wait, Sarah, slow down, stop. Like you're comparing yourselves to others. You know, it's not a valid comparison. What other people are doing doesn't fit with the lifestyle you're trying to create for you and your family. And when I came to that realization, I was able to kind of pull back a little bit and feel more creative and kind of figure out what exactly I wanted to do instead of following other people's paths. Mm. You know, just in the day-to-day grind of being a small business owner and entrepreneur, right? This sort of like tendency toward comparison always there. How do you stay grounded in that truth that this is my life, this is my business, this is my practice, and this is my family, and I'm creating something around that? The thing that I try to do is when I start to notice like some of the comparison thieves, I called them in my blog, starting to creep in, like some of the anxiety or the insecurity or the thoughts that lead me to feeling like inadequate, I kind of try to catch myself in those feelings and really break it down. I don't allow myself to stay stuck there anymore. I kind of get at what's the underlying thought. And kind of like with cognitive behavioral therapy, I really look at, okay, what's this thought all about? Why am I thinking this? What is my goal? How does this thought fit with my goal? And if it doesn't, I try to let it go and refocus myself on what my goals are and the direction that I'm going to get there. And sometimes the comparison does lead me to realizing that I want to make a change in my business. And then I figure out how can I channel that in a really productive way. But I really do check in with myself almost on a daily basis if some of those comparison thieves are starting to creep in. Well, I mean, I think... You're absolutely right. You almost have to do it on a moment by moment basis, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This is kind of a real practical thing, and, it, and this is something that I have found helpful. And I'm wondering if you do something like this, especially relating to social media. Do you set any sort of blocks or like parameters? So, like for me, generally, what I do is I log in for a period of time in the morning, and then half an hour usually in the morning, and half an hour in mm-hmm. the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do something similar, or how do you sort of, I guess, avoid that? desire to be on social media, which, you know, can bring up those comparison thieves. Right. I guess I'm not as structured about it as you are, Melvin. So I think it's awesome that you are. I think the reality of my day-to-day life is that I'm pretty busy. So it is mostly morning and evening after my kids go to bed that I have more time to be on social media. But I even try to kind of minimize that as well, because social media as well as like creating these comparison issues can also distract me from staying focused on what I'm trying to do. So in the evening, I'll kind of check in on social media, try to engage in groups that I want to connect with and then minimize my social media or close it out all the way so that I can really be focused on the work I'm trying to do and not get caught up in what others are trying to do. Uh, You alluded to some of this earlier, and I wanted to kind of expand on it a little bit more. But what effects do you think compare or comparing or comparison has us on as has on us as clinicians. So both those 
business owners, but also like professionally and even like mm-hmm. in, in relationships. Definitely. Well, I think that as clinicians, when we're comparing ourselves to others, we can see a lot of effects. We can see increased anxiety or insecurity or inadequacy. We can also get frustrated or start to believe that someone else is on like a better journey or has a better process. You know, we can compare ourselves to someone else's, you know, job is better than ours or someone else is moving towards licensure faster than we are and thinking that all of that is a better kind of thing. The other thing I see is that we sometimes try to keep up with other people versus figuring out what is authentic for our own process. On the other hand, I've seen times even myself or others where I compare myself and I almost feel better than someone else. And again, I don't really think that's a place I want to be. I don't want to be in judgment of others either. I just want to be authentically supporting other people and authentically working my own journey. Yeah, absolutely. You use that phrase, steal our joy, right? So how do we not let comparison steal that joy that we have, both being able to serve our clients, but just the joy that we experience in, you know, being alive or being a small business owner or whatever it is? Well, I think that the first step is kind of acknowledging that we are going to compare ourselves to others and not shaming ourselves for it, but being able to be mindful of when and how we feel that tendency to compare ourselves to others and kind of giving ourselves the space to process it and reflect on it instead of just trying to push it aside. I also think that we need to, like I said earlier, be really clear on our own goals and stay the path of our own journey and not let ourselves get sidetracked by what others are doing. Like we want to cheer people on and we want to encourage them to achieve their goals So we want to pay attention in that way, but not in the way that kind of brings us down. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that latter aspect, especially because you said we need to focus on our own goals. So again, kind of at a practical level, do you write down like things that you want to accomplish like in six months, a year, or like what your ideal practice would look like or ideal like sort of life work balance? Like how does that sort of play out on a practical level? Yeah, for me, practically, I tend to write out a lot of goals. I do kind of like daily goals. I'll map out my week and what I'm hoping to accomplish in that week. But I also have monthly goals. And just recently, since we're kind of like in the last quarter of the year, I mapped out the goals I want to accomplish by the end of the year. But I'm also thinking ahead to 2017 and what do I want to be doing now that's going to set me up to achieve my goals in the next year. And all of that helps me stay really, really focused. And I have all of this in one notebook that I've been carrying with me everywhere. So then I can kind of whip it out whenever I'm like, okay, what should I be doing? Or a client doesn't come in. It's like, okay, where should I focus? And what is my energy need to, you know, accomplish today? So that's kind of how I use goal planning personally. It sounds like such a simple thing, right, to have this notebook, but I totally see how that's powerful because what I just kept thinking when you were saying that was, let's pretend some event happens that we didn't anticipate, right? Whether it's Mm -hmm. client canceling, no show, something, right? If you have it written down, sort of, if you have something that grounds you and you have it written down, then you can know where to go. Right, um, And I think it's almost this antidote mm-hmm. to comparison because right. you're realizing that you're carving your own path. Yep. 
Absolutely. And I do have kind of like longer term plans as well, but I'm open to the fact that those plans could change and evolve as well. Because I think, you know, when I first graduated from graduate school, did I know I was going to be in this place? I have no idea, right? Mm. And so I am thinking ahead to what's going to happen in two years or where am I going to be in five years, but also open to maybe something's going to change in that time. Yeah, it's like sitting in that space of simultaneous certainty but uncertainty. Right, yes. That is a fun space to sit in. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was just thinking. That sounds very (laughs) anxiety-provoking. Well, I mean, but I think that's the nature of being an entrepreneur, right? Right, definitely. Because you do. Like, there has to be certain things that are certain, you know, like, that Mm -hmm. you want to aspire for while recognizing that there's an inevitable flexibility. And I think, like, bigger than that, and I think you're alluding to this, is that trusting you have the capability and the ability to be flexible if you need to be. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Do you think that was something like, how did that kind of evolve for you? Was that something that just came naturally or did that come out of just mistakes that you made, lessons that you learned? I feel like that has come out of mistakes that I have made or just lessons along the way. Kind of like I alluded to earlier, I very much was following a prescribed path towards licensure. And even at my agency, you know, it's like, get all your hours, see the right number of clients. Oh, now we want you to be in a leadership role and become a supervisor and all these things. You know, I'm the type of person that does what you're supposed to do. So then when I opened my own practice and there was this create your own reality and think about what you want to do and don't just do it the way that everyone tells you you have to do it. Like, I found that that was both exciting and I loved being able to use my creativity in a new way, but it also was a little bit anxiety provoking because it's like now it's totally on me. So I definitely made stumbles along the way that I've learned from, but I also realized I like that path for myself. Yeah. Sarah, one of the things that you talked about, and this is sort of our, I guess, one of the last questions is you talk a lot about being a mom and also mm-hmm. a private practitioner, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. how do you not let that that comparison, more specifically, like how do you not let the drive to sometimes compare yourself to what others are doing um, in building their practice? Like how do you mm-hmm. not let that kind of deter you and, and make you worried or, you know, stop doing the private practice thing? Right. Well, I think I definitely have to keep myself coming back to why am I doing things the way that I'm doing it. I have, my private practice has been something that has grown as my children have grown. And at my core, I know that is the journey that I'm supposed to be on. I needed to be there more for my kids as they were younger. And I was okay with that for the most part, because I chose that, my family chose that, and that made sense for us. But sometimes those comparison thieves would creep in and kind of make me be like, well, Sarah, you should be going faster. Or Sarah, you're a high achiever. You're not achieving to your full potential. And that's when I would be like, wait, stop. Remember what your focus is. Remember, you do want to be a mom that's home with your kids more. And now, like, I'm kind of on this track of, okay, my kids are, my oldest just went to kindergarten. So my practice has evolved a lot to this point. But I'm thinking, okay, in two more years, my youngest is going to kindergarten. So it's like, what's next? And what's that going to look like for me then? But I'm not separate. My practice is not separate from me as a mom and my family. So I just always kind of am balancing those and thinking about what is the ultimate goal for my family 
And a lot of my private practice decisions are made with that in mind. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so neat to be able to hear that your family, your loved ones, like those are the things that, that ground you because that's mm-hmm. why we start small businesses usually, right? Is, right. Is to have yep. that freedom so we can spend more time. Yes, absolutely. Sarah, thank you again for doing this. What are some of the best ways that folks can get in touch with you? People can visit one of my websites. I have one that is focused on professional development for mental health practitioners, and it is just my name, sarahlightshoe.com. And at Melvin, I'm sure we'll put the link in the show notes. And then I have a counseling page, which is sarahlightshoecounseling.com. And I'm also on Facebook for both of those pages. Awesome. We will link to those here in the show notes. Sarah, uh, it was so wonderful to finally connect with you. And uh, thank you for all the good work that you're doing in the world. Thank you so much for having me, Melvin. I enjoyed talking to you as well. Likewise. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah. And more than anything, I hope that this conversation, talking all about comparison, was an empowering one for you. And that no matter where you are in your private practice journey, whether you aspire for it one day, whether you are right in the middle of it getting started, or you're further along, I feel like this idea of comparison can creep up. And I hope that it it inspires you to be able to listen to your own voice and to follow your own path, even though if it may look different than someone else's. I'll link here to the blog post that Sarah wrote and also some of the resources that Sarah mentioned. And you can find that at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number nine three. As we wrap up, I just wanted to take a moment again to thank Kelly and Miranda from ZinniMe for supporting today's podcast episodes. Um, again, check out their trainings. You can find that at zinnime.com forward slash events. And there are a number of free webinars that they have, over 10 hours worth of free webinars that you can click on and sign up for at any time. Some of the other ones that are available are ones about how to start an EMDR-based practice, um, how to use storytelling on your website, how do you create a website and what seems to be working in terms of private practice websites, and then some of the things about just creating a marketing plan as well. There are a number of things I'm like, just like looking through some of the stuff on their blog, um, as I have done several times this year, there's just a range of things that can help you as a private practitioner. So I hope you'll check them out and sign up for some of their webinars. They're, I've gotten to know them here in the last uh, year and a half or so, and they're a fun bunch for sure. Again, you can find more information about Sarah and the good work that she's doing in the world at sarahlightshoe.com and then at sarahlightshoecounseling.com. Have a wonderful week. Thank you again for taking the time to join me, and I'll see you next time. We've got a bunch of cool episodes coming up, all the way from folks talking about their private practice journeys, all the way to figuring out our strengths as entrepreneurs and leveraging those strengths instead of just focusing on our weaknesses. So looking forward to sharing those with you. Take good care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.
So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.